Now, Ben Sampi is a creative guy, and he's thought of a very creative solution for helping out homeless people, and he's calling that solution Homeless, homeless 2.0. So the council says that about 50 people sleep, sleep rough in Wellington. Sleeping rough is when you don't uh, is when you sleep outside, like sleeping in doorways. And an Otago University study found that about one in a hundred people in New Zealand are housing deprived. And to be housing deprived means that you don't have an appropriate house to stay in. So you might be sleeping on somebody's couch or living in a garage. And Ben, he, he thought of a really cool way uh, through his art to give shelter to people who might not be able to have a home. So, Ben Sampi, welcome to B-Side Stories. Ooh. Thanks for coming nice in to, to talk you. to us. Thanks. I, uh, I happened to see your nano shelter when you were just sitting out in Civic Square, and it is such a cool work of art. Thanks. <laughs> what, do, uh, what do people ask you when, you when they see it on the street and come up and chat about it? Uh, usually, what's that? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way it was uh, designed for the initial prototype, while I float a new idea, was to sort of focus on sculpture, um, more so a little than, than practicality, um, so that we, we created something that's aesthetically pleasing, which is one of the main issues with uh, sleeping outside. It looks bad to regular people, as we homeless people call you. So, um, yeah, we are the you too. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I basically wanted to create something that would, would serve a lot of physical needs for, for homeless people in terms of shelter that uh, looked cooler for the public so that the council security and various other people we need to interact with um, in terms of where to sleep legally, um, because it's actually illegal to sleep outside at all. Um, uh, it would be uh, sell better, basically, as an idea. Um, yeah. So I went with, with a bird scale sculpture. It happens to aerodynamically and shape-wise be quite useful. Um so yeah, and aerodynamics is a big deal when you're designing things that are light that need to stay on the ground in Wellington. So um, yeah, it's a bird skull yeah. sculpture, and but it's also it's also a hollow, a, a yeah. hollow so you yeah, can yeah, sleep yeah. inside of it. What ha- most people don't notice is the entire back of the skull is a hatch, and you can uh, pop it open. And uh, yeah, the in- inside's hollow, so there's uh, enough space just to um, store a little gear either side of the sleeping platform that runs down the central core area. Um, inside the beak there and whatnot. That's where my feet go. And what is it made out of? <laughs> core flute. It's uh, otherwise known as core plast. It's a real estate sign material. Um, and then that's all zip tied together and then duct tape's used to seal uh, the holes that the zip ties make. And then uh, I painted it as well, obviously, um, and experimented with a few other coatings and different things like that. It's a prototype, so we're trying a whole lot of different stuff all at once. Um, so that uh, when I build prototype two, which will be a lot prettier and more practical, um, it will be easier to do. Um, it was a bit of a mess, the initial version, but it did work surprisingly well, actually. So, yeah, still using it. So yeah. I've been running it for approximately 23, maybe 25 days now, I think, 10 of which was on the street. And uh, now, thanks to the guys from Heathen Collective, which is a metal band here in Wellington, who I made friends with, uh, even metalheads can be charitable, they uh, gave me somewhere to park it. I, I live out back at their house. Um, so, yeah, which is really cool, actually. What, do you still sleep in it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. Um, you, you can't validly test something without validly testing it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Um, I'm still capable of bringing it out on the street, but uh, we found that some of the reactions I was getting from some of the more negative elements, shall we say, the, the homeless community, started to present something of a violence risk for me so um and also i was just i'd been on the street for 100 days by that point i was writing a blog online and whatnot about it and 
I'd really worked through the R&D process and so forth, and once I was able to find a solution that got me off street, I've got no business being there. I'm not there on purpose, per se. Um, my Basically, everyone has some reason for being there, so a choice that they make, um, not directly necessarily, um, but everyone makes some degree of choice that puts them in that position, and my choice was not to take welfare. Um, and yeah, that, that put me in a position where I could not afford a flat and therefore I couch surfed for a bit until I sort of ran out of places where that was really working very well um, and then became homeless. And uh, the Learning Connection Art School taught me to treat problems in life the same way we treat problems in art. So I tried to respond creatively after researching it for 90 days or so. I built the shelter prototype, used it for 10 days and because of the media attention, I um, yeah, managed to get offered a place to put it, so that's where I am now, which has got very nice and easy access to a shower and a toilet, which is gold for me. I really quite like not having to go find those. So. That is quite a luxury. Yes, it is. So you talked about there was sort of a negative response. What has been Some. the response in general to seeing the shelter out on the street? In general, um, the entire if we look at uh, media, the regular public, as I said before. The regular, um, yeah. The yeah, regular 100% positive. Um, the response before I built it to the idea basic was reasonably positive on the street, although I got a lot of uh, critique, which was useful from people who've been out there a lot longer than me and therefore know what they're talking about. Um, once I got it done, uh, I did find, unfortunately, that a number of people that I thought would be interested in getting one, because the idea was to create a, a larger charity that mass-produced them, um, which is still hopefully a name, but I need to work around ways to sell it to that community. Um, and the negative reactions we got were, basically, we're dealing with a survival-critical environment, and in that sort of environment, change is dangerous um, on a number of levels. There's social and physical levels where, where it's a problem um, and can be. I've got a reasonably unique skill set, quite good at talking and so forth, so for me to use that shelter is not really a problem. Also having a facial tattoo, the uh, violence factor is less of a concern to me because people don't mess with me too much. So, um, But for other people out there who might want to use the shelter, attracting negative attention could be a problem, um, at times potentially, so I want to use more design and so forth to uh, address that issue to a degree before. How could a design try to address that? Is it going to be more... Um, more discreet for more starters. Discreet, yeah. yeah, so as I said, when, when I first went with this idea, it's a new thing. I wasn't sure how the public would take it, so I focused on something that was attention-getting because I can handle attention. Most homeless people do not want attention at all, um, unless they're trying to get money or resources of some sort. Attention's the last thing they want. It's embarrassing to be poor. Um, so... They, they largely want to be left alone. Um, trust me, if you've got that shelter on the street, you do not get left alone, ever. Um, it's incredibly difficult even to sleep. Um, I started parking it in some rather dangerous spots, really, in terms of uh, access to security cameras and light and things that would keep you safer, just so that I could get you know a few hours sleep, because people would stop and stand outside what they think is just a sculpture and talk about it, which is like, hey, thanks for propping my heart, but I'm trying to sleep in here. Um, so, yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the other sort of minor negatives that's sort of a positive that we ran into. So, yeah, um, with my second design, I'm going to go with something a little more discreet, um, less like a big obvious gothic bird skull, um, and, and a little more practically designed, a little stronger, um, easy to manoeuvre on the street, and a number of other things like that that will just make it a little simpler. I think if we're able to get a few people together who do want to try taking the idea on, then there's the force of numbers factors and stuff like that. If we can normalise something rapidly then the negative reactions just become that small, annoying voice in the background. It doesn't matter what you do in life. You, you're going to get haters. They're kind of a good thing, actually. It means you're doing something right. So, 
So making it stronger, is that going to make them more expensive? Because I think the the simple materials seem to be part of the draw. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Core flute's an incredibly useful material, actually. Um, I'm surprised people don't use it more often for other things. It's primarily just used for signage and then wasted, which is where we get the free stuff. That's great. As, as a part of my Homeless 2.0 project, I made a point of actually funding all of the parts of the design brand new. Um, I bought the Core Flute from Bunnings Warehouse. Um, so it's uh, roughly $27 for a... 2400 by 1200 millimeter sheet um, and I used three sheets to make the initial version plus a sack barrow, some pine, and a few bits of wood, lot of zip ties, huge amount, like 450 zip ties, um, like f- five rolls of duct tape, um, stuff like that. But the second version, obviously we don't, um, you know, make something, modify it, make something, modify it, change it around a lot and stuff because we're getting into second stage of prototyping. We've got a better idea of how to work. However, it will use double walled core flute because... Um, that allows me to address the only physical issue we had um, engineering-wise with the interior, which is you've got a very, very small air volume, which is great for staying warm and things like that, but also means that you get a condensation issue because you're warm on the inside and outside is cold. So the inside collects condensation. So a double wall structure allows me to vent that more effectively and create better airflow and air conditioning on the inside. Another thing I came across that I don't have a problem with that is a problem for a lot of homeless people is claustrophobia. Um, yeah, very, very common out there. Um, one, of, one of the main reasons for homelessness that I actually came across was um, head injury. Uh, and then that also goes with things like uh, claustrophobia and a number of other sort of physical and mental health issues that lead people to being in a position where sleeping outside is the only or best option. Um, so if I'm going to make shelters for these people um, and, and myself that are effective, then we need to address issues like that as well. Um, airflow is a big factor. These are people who are used to sleeping outside, so while you sleep, you have free access to open air. Even sleeping indoors in a room like this studio, for instance, which is reasonably large, um, would be incredibly claustrophobic for a lot of the guys I've met out there. Um, they literally can't sleep inside. Um, so, yeah, it's, there's that, a lot of design issues. Like is that. it as a result of sleeping outside for a long time that yeah. they then don't some, like being and inside? Some, the reason they're outside is because they can't sleep inside. Hmm. Um, I've heard stories from uh, Christchurch, for instance, a guy, a friend of mine met I told him the story he'd been on a house fire and all his friends had been killed. Um, so it's basically what we usually call PTSD in that sort of situation. One of the factors of that, massive claustrophobia, can't sleep inside. Um, and there, there are various other factors that as well, uh, sort of uh, social factors and things that have caused people to have a major resistance to indoors. I mean, I found even uh, over the three months that I, that I was out there, I still don't like being indoors particularly much at all. You very quickly adapt to being outside to the degree that you find indoors uncomfortable. Um, and I don't have claustrophobia. For me, it was actually just a factor of living outside in the dirt requires you to become a bit feral, um, and therefore being inside with normal people who've had a shower recently uh, makes you feel uncomfortable, um, on top of the fact that you're already dirt poor, reliant on charity and a bunch of other things like this. So, yeah, there's a lot of social and physical factors that go into it. It's a really complex subject. Um, tell me about your design for <laughs> yeah yeah uh tell me about your background you're you're an artist you describe yourself that way yep. but do you have an engineering and design background as well some one of the great things about living in the modern world is we have this fantastic thing called google um yeah yeah the internet's not just for porn um so <laughs> if you want to learn about anything you type it into google and 20 minutes later you're an expert um i also have a major background in building drones and robotics uh, since i was a child i'm a major geek um so i did that since i was a child as a hobby um build like uh, helicopters and gliders and various sort of mainly flying machines and things like that so i have a good grounding in electronics basic design structural dynamics a little thermodynamics a bunch of stuff like that and then everything i didn't know i was like i don't know about that so i went on google and then i did 
Um, that was where I got the basic core flute and zip tie construction method as well. That's not my invention. Um, that's, there's a few people on uh, Google using that uh, who make really, really useful videos. You can watch 20 minutes later, now you know how to build stuff out of core flute. Um, yeah. It's really easy. I mean, you need uh, zip ties, duct tape, core flute, a knife, and a pair of nippers to cut zip ties with, and you can make all kinds of stuff. Really, really handy. Like, you know, next time you want to make a planter for this garden you were mentioning earlier or whatever, core flute, it's handy. Um, Thanks, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Is anyone making shelters online? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the main uh, thing I was seeing actually a few weeks into my initial process of living outside, a friend of mine uh, sent me a link to this this chap. I forget his name, unfortunately. Um, but he'd built a bike-toed one. Um and at that point, I'd, I'd spent years, I'm very interested in green technology, nano housing, tiny, tiny housing, micro homes, all of this kind of stuff. So I have a grinding with that kind of thing as well. A lot of design research, not a lot of building. Um, and among the various other things I was considering at the time, because my aim was to create some sort of physical shelter solution. And very quickly learned that shelter's the big issue out there. So I was like, okay, let's address that with the art stick. Um, and yeah, I got to see this link and I was like, that is a really cool way to do that because... I'm going to go ahead and buy the materials just to prove the homeless person can actually save up and do that without begging and without welfare. Very difficult to do, but can be done. Um, and, yeah, you can actually get them for free. Um, I've since been approached by uh, politicians and stuff who are like, we're running a political campaign, love what you're doing. We're going to have a lot of science soon if you want some for free. Um, the uh, core flute that I'm going to be using for Prototype 2 I already have. I was given it by another artist who got it for free. Um, it, it's ubiquitously available stuff. It's quite easy to get. So yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic that people are chipping in to help out. Yeah, um, yeah of course. I understand you've got some space at Vincent's as well. That that, yeah. that those guys have been a help to you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the two two main main big assistances I've got over in the past. I went to the Learning Connection um, Art School. Uh, really fantastic people. Uh, they taught me some great ideas and whatnot that allowed me to approach this sort of situation creatively instead of freaking out. Um, and Vincent's have been absolutely invaluable. Um, yeah, basically, I've been attending there four days a week. Uh, they are open five days, but they have uh, this really cool thing. They have a women's only day on Thursdays. So obviously, I have the wrong plumbing for that. Um, therefore, I, I only go on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, but yeah, they've provided me with space, assistance, materials. They've got fantastic staff. They're really, really cool people. Um, and yeah, they provide a really excellent resource for people like myself who are stuck without uh, the ability to use a normal studio. Um, yeah, I, I have very, very limited money, so um, paying for studio space, for instance, is out of the question. Um, so, yeah, um, without them, I couldn't have done it, basically. The, the system was designed to be built on the street. Theoretically, that is possible, but I wouldn't advise it. Um, it took about 25 hours to do the first version over the course of about five days, and you have to store partially constructed stuff while doing that. If you want to do it on the street, you would have to do it in one shift um, without sleep because you can't just leave piles of tape and stuff lying around. They'll get stolen. So, yeah, Vincent's are invaluable people. I'm very, very grateful to them. Yeah, shout out to Vincent's friend hey, of Vincent's these side stories. good people. Yay. <laughs> and the learning connection. Awesome. Yeah, they're also really, really good. They, they run a fantastic course for anyone who wants to get into art. I'm, I'm obviously not a very standard sort of go-about-things kind of a person. Um, I didn't do well with uh, the normal way of going about arts education and so forth, but I went to TLC, and they were just just amazing the way they teach art the way they go about it who is teaching you and their qualifications to do so they don't just have you know bits of paper that say i did blah 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 course and therefore i'm teaching it to you these are people who are commercial artists and then got a job tutoring so when they tell you stuff they know what they're talking about um 
and their approach is very cool as well. Um, when I did it, at least, I don't know, this was about 10 years ago. So, um, But when I did it, um, you had the option to either basically write your own curriculum or follow a curriculum. So I wrote my own because I'm that sort of person um, and just basically said, cool, I'm going to do my work. You guys mark it. Let me know how I can do it better. Um, and that's how I got my art degree. <laughs> it's a really cool way to do tertiary education. Yeah. So, yeah. And speaking of a non-standard approach, you also take kind of a non-standard approach to thinking about housing. Um, Definitely. A, a lot of the conversations we've been hearing about homelessness, they've treated as a social issue, mm. and yeah. you've just really taken another angle of... Yeah, definitely. I, I actually disagree, I must admit, with a lot of what's being said in the media. I mean, you quoted the statistic uh, earlier that was uh, mentioned in some other media stuff that I was involved with, about uh, 50 people on the street. That's inaccurate. There's much more than that. Um I would say if you count CBD right in close near the civic area and so forth, yeah, there's about 50 people. Um, but if you count everything between the two main hills in Wellington that enclose the CBD, you're looking closer to 100. Um, and also, I don't define homelessness as anything that's not living in a rental or owning your house, which is where the 1 in 100 statistic comes from that you mentioned earlier. That's not homelessness. That's living in your car, being really poor, various other things like this. Homelessness is when you live outside. Um, and so that's a much smaller number for the entirety of New Zealand, but a much larger number, in my belief, and from what I've experienced, than what the council says it is. But you know, I suppose they have a vested interest in maybe keeping that number low. So yeah, yeah, and, and it changes regularly as well. You ask one day what the stat is, and for that day it might be 50. The next day it might be 150. Um, there are people who go on and off street quite regularly, and there are a number of other complex factors and trying to estimate the number of people that are actually dealing with this on the day to day. So yeah. So what is your what is your view on homelessness? Is it something that we can <laughs> big question? Be we, more specific. Should, <laughs> I, I mean, we've talked to some people on the show who say that um, homelessness. There's a certain inevitability about it. Like there's I always going to be some people who yep. choose to be homeless. Pick any culture, any time in history, you'll find homeless people. So yeah, clearly it's to do to a degree inevitable. So we're the I, West, and we're supposed to be nice on social issues, though. So my belief, as far as that sort of thing goes, is that where someone wants help you give them help um what you'll find in that environment in particular and i found which was at first a little disappointing for me until i understood it is that uh, there are people out there who quite literally don't want help and are quite happy with how they live i've met people who have regular jobs um and just choose to live outside because it allows them to save money and various things like that which is absolutely fine um there are people however who drop into the position due to health issues and stuff like that who really could use a hand up and that's where people like the dcm salvation army and so forth come in so they can assist you with getting welfare or getting housing or um you know uh, obviously salvation army has a, a big uh, part of what they do is dealing with drug and alcohol issues which are massive on the street um, as i mentioned to you guys off here try surviving outside in winter and see how much you need to drink um, I did do it sober, but um, I would not advise doing that. <laughs> it makes you a very unhappy chappy. Yeah, very so challenging situation. It's incredibly challenging, yeah. I mean, people don't just get, you can't get it until you've done it, what it's like. It's not like camping. Um, it's not like, oh, I've got all my gear and I'm going to go stay in the Southern Alps even, which is an extreme environment. Certainly Wellington City is warmer. But you do it night after night without choice with all of the other negatives that go with being out on the street. Um, you know, constant threat of violence, um, exposure to a lot of the negative aspects of a modern Western society, people's stigma, and then the weather and so forth on top of that. Um, constant poverty um, and, and all of these other things. Yeah, seriously, there's a reason people drink a lot out there. Like, it, honestly, it, it, one thing I said in my blog quite a few times actually was you want these people to drink. 
If they're not, then these are people who often lack social skills, to be frank, um, and have mental health issues. And this is, you know, one of the reasons quite often they are homeless. Um, it's not their fault um, most of the time. And uh, if they're not drunk, they're going to be unhappy, which is going to make them angry and depressed. And then they're going to resort to other means like violence and chasing people up and down the street and being aggressive and some of the problems we have with the hustler types. Um, so, yeah, honestly, I, I really don't understand why people have this attitude, oh, I'm not going to give that person money because they're going to spend it on booze. It's like, well... You spend some of your money on booze. It's quite common in our society. People drink. It makes you feel better at the end of the day. You go have your GNT at home. This guy drinks a box. But he has to live outside tonight. You don't. Um, leave him alone. Give him more money for the booze. You know, like seriously, it helps. My personal rule is uh, I don't drink unless I'm at a friend's house or I'm in a bar. Can't afford a bar very often. And when I was first doing homelessness, I didn't have very many friends in Wellington. Um, I have many, many, many friends now, so it's it, it's much less of a problem for me, and therefore I don't live on the street anymore. Um, yeah. Although I do still use the shelter, so yeah. So, what was your experience of homelessness? Um, did you find it to be a positive experience overall? Uh, neither. I, I I couldn't rate it as positive or negative. It's both, um, often at the same time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a blog every day for a hundred days. I'm told that I got well over 40,000 words and I've therefore written a thesis on homelessness. You're welcome to check it out on Facebook. Um, make your own opinion. Some days I'm like, I want to kill myself. This is insane. I can't do this anymore. How do people even do this? Other days I'm like, today it was awesome. So yeah. And, and often that was predicated by, which is another interesting thing, by very, very tiny effects in the public. So the day somebody said something nice to me or, or just bothered to sit down and talk to me like I was a human being, that was a good day. Um, the days people said, I'll oh, get a job, you bum. And I'm like sitting there while I'm doing my job. I don't take welfare or big. I'm sitting here trying to draw pictures and sell little bookmarks to people to make money for food. Or, or people would be like, oh, well, if you can afford a cell phone, then what are you doing out here? Or if you can afford to smoke, it's like, well, the cell phone was given to me and so were the cigarettes. Like, um, so, yeah, we, we, we had, yeah, a lot of issues out there. And, and that was something I, I came to understand was the, the public's negative reactions and the negative things you see in homelessness all you have to do is exercise a little bit of basic human empathy. Put yourself in that person's position, whatever they're doing, and try to think why you would do that. It doesn't take you long to figure it out, at which point you can't hate the person anymore. Whether it's a guy in a $3,000 suit being obnoxious and mean to the most poverty-stricken person instead of just giving them a cigarette, um, or it's a homeless person on the street being loud and obnoxious because they're drunk. Yeah. Picture yourself in their position. How would you react, you know? So empathy, it's important. That's something we've heard before is put yourself in their shoes. That's that's the only way to sort of understand other people's perspectives. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Um, and that's the thing. You, you can't hate anyone in life if you do that. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier being in my position to hate a guy in a $3,000 suit who won't even give somebody a cigarette. But um, once I look at his position and his relative privilege in life or her relative privilege for that matter is odd, odd thing I noticed actually anecdotally most of the negativity you get from the public from women um, men largely ignore you or are positive women tend to be less so um, a lot of the time not to be sexist it was just something I noticed that may be different for others um, but I, I think okay well, we take relative privilege we take what they're being fed by the media what our very right wing government likes to think and various other things like this um, and you go well if I was in their position would I think any different like, they're looking down at somebody who just looks like a piece of crap on the ground. Um, you know, we live in a society that has welfare. Why on earth would you live there? I mean, that's a common question I get asked. Why, why on earth do we have this problem if we have welfare? My answer is, particularly in winter, you try and see, I'm told the average benefit's about $240. 
you'll spend most of that on hot food in four days. Easy. And you need that hot food. You're going to freeze really badly otherwise. Um, coffee's another big expense. Uh, things like this. Little, little tweaks that make your life livable out there cost a lot of money. You can't cook. It's illegal. You can't cook outside. That's camping. Um, so you have to buy hot food. Or, you know, fortunately, you know, if people are giving things, please give food. Hot food is great. <laughs> it's really fantastic. Like, $2 is nice, but if you're going to give stuff to guys who are begging or asking for money or, or busking or whatever, food is good. Like, especially hot food. When it's a rainy, cold day, the, the amazing amount of, of benefit to your well-being and sense of okayness from just a hot pie or a coffee or both is just, ah, oh, I can't state how valuable that is. So what's next for your art, for your shelters, and how can people learn more? Uh, learn more is uh, Ben Sampi on Facebook. Um, I must point out I don't censor things. I'm very obnoxious and opinionated, um, and I swear a lot ordinarily. So if you're um, of a delicate constitution, maybe stick with the Instagram where just the pictures and less of the ranting are. Um, otherwise, yeah, Ben Sampi on Facebook. Um, is where to sort of see what I'm doing. Uh, I'm currently still earning my very, very small living doing commercial art. Um, I hope to get back into tattoos soon, but um, I currently need to work through a big, huge list of commissions that I've got. Um, and I'm also working on a second uh, shelter prototype, which will feature a number of technological developments for space heating, uh, energy, and a number of other things. The end point I want is a shelter that's not only mobile and small like the current one, but a bit more practical, a bit better, and a, range, a greater range of weather, and also green-powered. So it's completely self-contained, um, and all you actually need is a shower and a toilet outside of it. it can do your own cooking and things like that, um, which is yeah, not exactly easy, but we're working on it. Uh, and yeah, I, I have various other commission art things I do. I'm building a set of robotic wings for a, a burlesque dancer in Christchurch, and uh, yeah, just arting in general. That's what I do. Just arting around. Yeah, I don't have anything else in my life. I have a very, very simple life. Uh, you know, Buddhist monks meditate. I used to be a Buddhist. Um, well, I suppose I still am a Buddhist, but I'm not a monk anymore. But I do art instead. Um, but that's all I do, basically. I I do art, and then I sleep, and then I do more art. <laughs> Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your perspective because it's one that we don't get to hear very often. I imagine. <laughs> Interview more homeless people when they're not drunk. <laughs> <laughs>